Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't give us the absolute ability to do it. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 35. And I entitled this message, Getting Back to Basics. Understand, the people in Moses' day, 3,500 years ago, they're identical to us. I mean, now, obviously, the fashions have changed since then. Hairstyles, makeup for you ladies, fads. And, of course, today, technology changes almost daily. But the hearts of men and women, it never changes. It's the same. For we are all like sheep. We're all wandering. We're all kind of looking for the loophole, you could say. For we all know what's true And we try to figure a way that we can get around it. But we also must be reminded of what we have learned. And that's why we must be diligent to study God's word. To not just hear it, but to actually get into it ourselves. So that we do not lose our focus as this world that has lost its soul that we're living in. This world has forgotten God. That's why we're in such a mess. Yes, Moses reminds them of the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. You know, again, we looked at this in detail when we were studying chapter 20, when we were going through the Ten Commandments. But let's just touch on the Sabbath once again, since he brings it up again in chapter 35. The Sabbath, the very word means to stop or to cease. It's to rest. It's to stop from our normal labor. And in this case, it was a day to be set apart, to remember and to worship the Lord. There are those today who say that the only Sabbath is on Saturday. Like we can only go on Saturday to church. Yet that is not commanded in the New Testament at all. All the other nine commandments are taught all through the New Testament. Yet the Sabbath The day to cease from our normal work and to honor the Lord is not taught as a day, but rather it's taught as what we are to do. Meaning the spirit of the Sabbath is taking time to honor and to worship the Lord and ceasing from our work. So the actual day, Saturday, Sunday, means less than the worship 
that it implies. This is why the Bible says in Colossians 2.16, Therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food, drink, or respect of a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Things which are just a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So why is it different from the Jews having the Sabbath on Saturday in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, the Jews had a relationship with God that was only through the temple and the priests. That was the relationship. So when they came on the Sabbath day, that was, that was where the relationship all happened through the temple and the priests. But you and me, as New Testament believers, we have a personal relationship, direct connection with God himself through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Now the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says, dwells within our very souls. So we are not bound by any holy day. We do not have to wait until the Sabbath to worship the Lord. We as believers have access to the Creator 24-7, every single day, 24 hours a day, to worship Him, every one of us. So the Sabbath is an everyday thing for you and me. I spend time with the Lord every single morning and I talk to him throughout a day on a daily basis. In the beginning, Christians, this is how we ended up on a Sunday Sabbath, just so you want to know for inquiring minds like to know. It's like Christians met in houses on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead on a Sunday morning. And he appeared in a body, risen from the dead to the disciples on Sunday. The day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the new church and energized the new church, that happened on a Sunday. That's why New Testament believers meet on Sunday. But again, the Sabbath is just a part of it. Set a day aside to cease from work and to worship together. But the bottom line is, again, whether the person's on Saturday or Sunday isn't the issue. The issue is, are you ceasing and are you meeting to worship? But back to our text. Moses shifts gear now. He grabs the gear, sidesteps the clutch, and he tells the people to take a contribution or as the New King James Bible says, an offering. Now, the original Hebrew here for a contribution or offering was for a sacred use. So God instituted this system so that God's people would be able to supply all the needs for the church, which has been instituted by God to do his work here on earth. Now, Before we even go into this here, if you're visiting here today, we're talking about this right here because it's in the text. And when you do what's called expository Bible teaching, you're going book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So we're going to talk about it because it's in our text. If it was up to me personally, I would never want to talk about money. That's why when we've taken an offering here at the church, when I'm talking to Pastor Shannon, our administrative pastor, I'm like, you know, if you're talking about money in the offering at the beginning of the service, if you spend more than 30 seconds on it, you're starting to go a little too long. 
Now, I was just talking to a young lady. Uh, her family started coming to church, and she you know, was coming with her family, and me and my wife were talking to her the other day or a week ago, and she was telling us how the church that they went to before, they would take the offering, and they would spend 20 minutes on it, 25 minutes. I'm like, <sighs> boy, how frustrating would that be? Every Sunday, you're just getting pounded 20, 25 minutes about giving. It's like, oh, that's frustrating. So me personally, I don't even really ever want to talk about it. But at the same time, as a pastor, I need to teach you. Because about giving is all about obedience. It's not even, it's so much farther bigger than than the actual giving. It's about the obedience behind the giving. So let's talk about it for a moment because it's in our text. Because there's really a threefold responsibility here with giving. Number one, it's the responsibility for God's people. Look, if you're a Christian, this is your responsibility. If you're not a Christian, it's not your responsibility. Okay? So it's the responsibility for only God's people to bring in the tithe. Now, what's the tithe? The very word tithe means 10%. Really? Now, this is something that really threw me for a loop when I first became a Christian because someone had said that, and I'm like, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Easy enough for that. No. How about that? But, uh, But then I started studying it, and then you start realizing what God is actually saying is like, hey, I've given you life. Have you noticed that your heart's beating in your chest with no batteries? Have you noticed that you're breathing my air that I've given you? That I've actually given you the ability to have a mind that could think that could actually hold a job? And a job that maybe you have to have skill at that maybe I gave you that skill? Okay, so he's saying, look, I've already equipped you. And so you start realizing, oh, so what you're saying, God, is that you've given me the ability to be alive in a human being. And so so working, whatever I get in, you're telling me that I get to keep 90% for me and you want 10%. Oh, okay. All right. So then you start realizing, all right. So God says, no, you bring 10% in. Why? Why? Why do we bring that in? Because you bring it to the church so that the church can be alive, so that the church can be on the cutting edge of ministry, so the church can reach out to this culture that has rejected God with the love of God's word. But the second responsibility, number two, the responsibility to the church itself to be wise stewards of those finances that are brought in. And to make sure that there is no waste that's happening with the money that's coming in. So when you're seeing the pastor driving his brand new Ferrari, uh, yes. Problem here. Okay. So it's the responsibility of the church to be wise stewards. It's the responsibility of God's people to bring in the tithes and the offerings. It's the responsibility of the church to be a wise steward of those finances. To not waste finances. Now, do we spend money here? Oh, we spend money here. We've got five pastors on staff here. We have multiple people on staff. We have, you know, people that, that, that work here. And it's like, why? Because we want you, when your marriage is falling apart, to be able to get in a car, come here, and come and sit down and talk to a pastor. When you're a single person and you're just burned out on life and you're ready to just cash in the chips, we want a pastor to be able to sit down with you, spend time with you, and talk with you. And what does all that counseling cost you? Nothing, because that's what the church is supposed to do. 
That's what the church is supposed to do. And the third responsibility is to the pastor here that that you are taught this. So it's my responsibility to teach you. So me personally, I don't like talking about money. I fought with this a long time when we first started Core Church because I didn't want to talk about it. But it's my responsibility to teach you, to inform you what God says. For God says that people are stealing from him when you don't bring the tithe in. He's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to LeBron James. He's not talking to all the rich people around here. He's talking to Christians. And he says, you bring the tithe in. And if you don't, you're stealing from me. Wow. Now listen. Again, it's not my responsibility to like, huh, what's in your wallet today? (laughs) No, it's it's not, that's not my responsibility. And it's not my responsibility to hound you about it. This is an obedience issue. It's between you and the Lord. I'm only called to teach you. You know, some might say, well, pastor, you understand. I can't afford to tithe. You know, everything's so high. But that's where many don't realize You're tithing to the Lord. You're tithing to the creator of the universe. Don't you understand? You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Me and my wife, we started tithing maybe a couple months into our marriage. And so we've been married 43 years. We have never, amen, that's a a praise report in itself. But we have never missed a bill ever. Okay, I'm not talking to you as a pastor. I'm just, I'm a Christian and me and my wife got married as Christians. We started tithing a couple months into that. And after raising four kids and just everything, we, we've had so many times where we were poor, dirt poor. We had no money. We didn't know how we were going to eat. There was times we had no food that we literally got on our face and prayed and opened the door. There was groceries on the porch. Like, like, wow. Okay. There was times we had bald tires on our car and someone would buy tires for us. I mean, it it just like, and, and like they didn't even know, like we were praying like, Lord, we need tires. And then all of a sudden here comes money. So it's like 43 years. And I can tell you just from a, as a Christian, you can never outgive God. It's like he always met our needs. We were down to the last penalty bean. I can't tell you how many times, but he always met our needs. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. What is he saying there? Give the Lord first before anything else. So I get paid just like you do. We get, you know, direct deposit and everything. When I sit down to do the bills, the first check that's wrote before the house payment is the tithe. The tithe is written first. It's like, so he says, bring the first fruit. He says, he goes on in verse 10. He says, why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay. Let's not forget what Moses said in verse five. Take a contribution and offering only from those with the willing hearts. See, God's like, you don't want to give? Don't give. He was the same way back then. He's like, I only want those to give who have a willing heart. If you don't have a willing heart, then don't give. And I just want you to know, you want to come to church here and not give? You come to church here. You don't have to give. You don't, that's between you and the Lord. That's an obedience issue between you and him. But you 
can come here. God's not forcing you to do anything like he didn't force them. Let's pick up and read in verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel, in verse 20, they departed from Moses' presence. So they all depart. They heard what he had to say. Now they all leave. Now they're thinking about it. Now it's time for the Holy Spirit. They're like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So verse 21, everyone whose heart was stirred, not everyone's heart was stirred, but the true believers, oh, their hearts were stirred. And everyone that was stirred, everyone whose spirit moved him came and they brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all of its service and for all the holy garments. Then those whose hearts were moved, again, it's only those whose hearts were moved. If your heart's not moved, then don't. It's between you and the Lord. But for those that recognize, oh, this is what God wants me to do. Okay, both men and women. It wasn't just the men, it was the men and the women. They came and they brought brooches and earrings and, and, and signet rings and bracelets and all of their gold. So they did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goat hair and rams and skins and dyed red and porpoise skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution. And every man who had his possession, acacia wood, uh, for any work uh, of the service brought it. And all the skilled women, they spun with their hands and they brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen. Notice those with willing hearts are now moving hearts. The willing hearts became moving hearts. Yes, there's a time that you can talk about things, but there's a time that you just got to move. You know, it's a time where talk is cheap. You know, what are you going to do? And the fruit of a willing heart is a heart that's willing to move. We as Christians are called to action. We are called to move. We are called to be part of what God is doing, to reach out into this dark world that we live in. And don't think for a second that the people all around us aren't just a little freaked out about the crime spiking in Los Angeles, about $7 a gallon gas, all these things that are happening around us. We've got inflation at a 40-year high, interest rates that are going through the roof, an open border that's allowing who knows who to come across it. Don't think that people around us are not freaking out. It's just the fact that America is weakening right now and China is growing in strength militarily. Or what about Iran and their nuclear aspirations? Yes, there's no better time to reach out to every person that we come in contact with, to let them know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, to invite them to church. I was talking to Pastor Greg Laurie on the phone just a couple days ago, and have you seen the Jesus Revolution little trailer and everything that's been getting passed around and everything? It's a, it's a new movie that's done really high quality. It looks at the Calvary Chapel movement and Greg Laurie's personal life as I, how he came to know Christ as his savior. And it, it, it's just a killer movie. Uh, Kelsey Graham plays uh, Chuck Smith in it. And anyway, this is a great movie. Now I go, I need something to motivate our people to get out there and inviting their people to, to uh, you know, friends and co-workers to, to get involved, to, to come to know Christ. And I'm like, yes, we'd like to see it. He goes, well, I'm gonna set it up where your church can watch it for free so that it'll motivate them, you know? 
And, and I go, and I said to him, I go, well, yeah, because, you know, because look, the reality is a lot of Christian movies are B-rated and, you know, like, uh, they, you know, they drive you crazy because they got great storylines and the acting's really bad. And it's like, you know, it's just a cheesy movie. I mean, let's face it, you know, but there's some that are good. So that movie, I can only imagine, that was a good movie, right? Remember the movie Woodlawn? We showed some of them here. Remember how good that movie was? And the movie about Jeremy Camp, I still believe these are the same people. And the people that made same guys that made that movie, they say, this is the best movie they've ever made. And, and I go, yeah, I go, Greg, I mean, it, it, I mean I, that thing brought me to tears. He goes, well, like what part? And there's a part where Greg's getting baptized at Pirate's Cove there in Corona Del Mar. And, you know, so, you know, baptism, you're going down, you're coming up. But Greg was so broken. His life was so messed up. His mom was an alcoholic, married like seven times. And just his whole life was brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. He was just bitter. And it's like when they show him being baptized, it's like all of a sudden they just, that part just stops there. Like you're stopped in time. And then he's just like floating down in the water. They just got this unbelievable view of him. Just like he's just floating down like in just, just, just like weightlessness. And, and you just realize like, man, who can do that? Who can take a life that's messed up? Who can take a life that's broken and just kicked to the curb and completely turn it around? Jesus can. And that, that part of the movie just, like, it captured it. It's like, it's just, you just realize, like, man, the Lord's just, just saving this person. And I remember sitting at that kitchen counter in Upland, California, and I remember giving my life to Christ. And I just remember just this a thousand pound weight falling off of me. And I, I remember that moment. It's like, that's what Jesus can do. And this movie, it goes about 50 minutes before you even realize there's anything Christian about it. I mean, there's all these other things that are going on. It's like this heathen movie. And, you know, it's like Kathy Laurie's sister's having a drug overdose and she's throwing up. I mean, sorry, <laughs> but I mean, there's just all this stuff, but it's just, it's a raw movie because it's like, this is life. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and changes everything. And you're like, oh my goodness. And when, when Greg has given his life to Christ in the movie, it's like, it is so set up. Like if you're watching the movie and you're a heathen, you're giving your life to Christ right there. I mean, like it, it is that good of a movie. Anyway, this is going to be an opportunity for us as a church. I mean, who knows what could happen with this movie, Jesus Revolution. And by the way, they got that name from the Time Magazine cover of the Jesus movement in the 60s, where that Time Magazine cover was Jesus Revolution. So anyway, coming up to our final point, a filling of wisdom. Let's read what it says in verse 30. It says, then Moses said to the sons of Israel, see the Lord is called by name, Bezael, and the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and silver and bronze and the cutting of stones in the setting in the carving of wood so to perform in every inventive work. He has also put it in the heart of uh, both of Ohiliab, the son of that guy, <laughs> of the tribe of Dan, and he has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver and of a designer, of an embroiderer, of blue and in purple and in scarlet material and fine linen, of weaver, of performers of every work and makers of designs. Wow, it's like, 
Man, I'm going to teach you how to cut wood. I'm going to teach you how to melt gold. I'm going to teach you how to cut stone. I'm going to teach you how to put together linen. God's guy, I'm going to teach you how to do everything. Notice, God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't give us the absolute ability to do it. He never calls us. He has never actually done anything anything to ask us to do something that he is not giving us the capacity to do it. God gives us the ability to do what we could never do on our own, which is a great place for us to end because the Lord is all knowledgeable in every aspect of life. He's better than any YouTube video. If we find ourselves lost in any area, we can always, always, always seek the Lord. He is able to help us. He is able to lead us. He is able to consult us. He is able to guide us in every issue that we can ever face in life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034